following is a secure foundation broadcast. If you do not have the proper security clearance to listen to this broadcast, please turn off your listening device now and turn yourself in to the police. Our personnel will take it from there. Commencing playback of deadly auditory cognito hazard in 3, 2, Hello and welcome to the Secure Contain podcast, the show that explains and discusses every aspect of the SCP Foundation, one topic at a time. I'm your co-host Soren, and I'm your co-host David. And we finished the basics a while ago, and then we missed two weeks. <laughs> well, I, okay, we announced we missed one week. We'll go with that because we were like we were like, okay, we're not gonna do it on Christmas because it's gonna just not work out, and we're like, we'll be back in the next week, and then I like kind of slept over at someone's house on new year's and just like didn't tell soren and so we kind of just didn't do it then the next week yeah everything's um, fine it was fine uh no. <laughs> we'll try and not do that <laughs> there will because, be attempts made because there's many of you yeah there are actually kind of a lot now we have uh, the mm, mm, mm. and like i haven't even successfully gotten us on the podcast page because i still think that's technically under like DJ Cactus's thing, even though those are <laughs> always mostly inactive, but I can't ever tell if they're actually fully. But all right, yeah, whatever. I'll work that out later. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. So like you said, uh, we finished the uh, first basics mu- unit, um, which means that now we're in unit two because this it's is literally school units. now. Yes, um, school, Common you know. Core. Yeah, oh God, please never, never again. Don't mention that word. Um, but yeah, so this this one's basically going to be on on groups of interest. Um, segue into what is a group of interest? Yeah, um, I miss that that was to me. But we're gonna uh-huh. do. It's been a while, guys. <laughs> it's been a bit. Everything's fine. World been be a hot minute. Fine. <laughs> All right. I keep saying that, and the dog, the picture of the dog <laughs> just keeps popping in my head. Uh, God. All right. Okay. Group of interest. What is a group of interest? So, a group of interest is essentially, um, well, there's an overview on the, the website in the group of interest hub, um, which we'll read. So, it just, um, this is ba- this is the hub where it has all the links to the different ones and a brief description and logo of all of them. Kind of like the MTF one. Um, but at the top it has an overview, and it says, File Overview. The Foundation is not the only group with an interest and investment in the paranormal and metaphysical. There are many other groups in existence who possess, use, or attempt to create SCP objects, either for their own personal gain or for the protection of mankind. Some are rival organizations, some are splinter groups of the Foundation, and some are trusted associates of the Foundation. In any case, it has been deemed necessary to create and distribute a brief on what agencies the Foundation knows about and our stance towards them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're they're like, they're just they're another group of of people, or they're they're just another group within the SCP universe, other than the Foundation that like is involved with anomalies, whether that's you know worshiping them because that's a thing, killing them, containing them, selling them, creating them, etc., etc. Yeah, there's a bunch of things like 
Uh, and they all have really fun names like Are We Cool Yet, Gamers Against Weed, Dr. Wondertainment, <laughs> Church of the Broken God, Nobody, and uh, Prometheus Labs. I, also, I'm, Wilson's Wildlife Solution. There's a lot of them. Gamers Against Weed is, is probably just... That's my favorite. The first line on their hub is the name is ironic. Is it? <laughs> but it's... <Yes. laughs> mm, okay. I don't know if it's the first one, but it's uh, it's close to the top. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, so today we're uh, going to be talking uh, apparently about one of the most common ones, um, which is the chaos insurgency. 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 Yeah, that's yeah. I don't know how to read. I'm not sure if they're talked about a lot in terms of like articles they're linked in, but they're talked about a lot in fan content. Yeah, within um, the community and everything. Yeah, because again, containment breach, which really helped popularize it, and there's there, there's pros and cons to that but one of the but like <laughs> the chaos insurgency i believe one of the endings uh the player gets freed by them and then there's a bunch of basically they're a fan favorite mm-hmm. they're just well known within that so yeah and they're fairly simple too so that's helpful for being able to be talked about a lot i guess yeah you know, yeah whatever. so <laughs> yeah, so so like you said, um, there all of the different groups of interest have like different insignias and signs and stuff. This one is like a so it's a circle with a red eye in the middle, and then some black lines that kind of make him look like the eye that like that one dude from uh, Naruto had. I didn't watch the show. I got like ten episodes in and then realized it was too much filler. Um, I haven't and watched then the show either at all. <laughs> then there are some words around it. It it's like upside down, so it's kind of hard to read. But I believe it says. Should intermittent vengeance arm again his red right hand to plague us? Um, so basically, some like old English type stuff um, that's like very deep and unnecessarily deep, but meaningful. You know. Yeah. Uh, they also have another logo sometimes that's a, uh, on a red background, a black circle with three black like lines or like uniform scratches through it, I guess, which you see okay. sometimes. So yeah, either of those. Um, they all kind of make sense, but not really. This one's, I mean, chaos and certain. It's in the name chaos. None of it makes sense very much. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But it makes sense that it doesn't make sense. Mm. Yeah, there's reasons for it not to make sense. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and read the overview on the um, on the chaos insurgent or insurgency hub. Um, it says, in 1924, the SCP Foundation formed a covert special task force known only to the O5 Council, codenamed the Insurgency. The leadership of the Insurgency was compromised, comprised of members of MTF Alpha-1, the Red Right Hand, famed for their loyalty to the O5 Council, and the total secrecy of the origins, identities, and operations. The Insurgency le- leadership was supported by research, security, and retrieval personnel, all taken from Foundation ranks. To the majority of the Foundation and the anomalous world, the Insurgency was a splinter group that went AWOL with several researchers and anomalous objects. In reality, the O5 Council had created the Insurgency to complete missions with ethically questionable methods and politically unsavory results, while keeping the Foundation's public reputation clean. For approximately 24 years, the Insurgency operated under the guise of Foundation defectors, using anomalous objects to secretly further the goals of the O5 Council. In 1948, as part of a seemingly routine stage operation, the insurgency removed several SCP objects from Foundation containment and transported dozens of defecting Foundation researchers to various safe locations. That same day, multiple other unplanned raids of Foundation facilities occurred. The insurgency seized SCP objects with great research and military potential and inflicted severe casualties to Foundation personnel. 
the Foundation's biggest lie had become a reality. The Cobra Black Ops team had defected, and the Foundation faced a new threat from an organization now calling itself by a new name, the Chaos Insurgency. The O5 Council was stunned. The defection or even the slightest hint of disloyalty from Red Right Hand personnel had been unprecedented. The motives behind the insurgency's betrayal remain unknown to the Foundation. All attempts to find, apprehend, or assassinate the defecting insurgency op operatives have failed. This information is classified within the Foundation, which maintains that the insurgency defected in 1924 and that the actual defections of 1948 were simply raids by, made by the already existing Splinter organization. The modern-day Chaos Insurgency bears some similarities to the organization that founded it. The Chaos Insurgency's Delta Command, Shredded Mystery, issues orders to the lower ranks. Gamma-class researchers and military commanders have oversight over the execution of the Delta Command's orders, while Beta-class personnel, while not given the same level of command as Gamma-class, carry out the Insurgency's work in the field. Alpha-class personnel, often recruited from individuals with little to no knowledge of the anomalous, accept offers of employment often because the alternative is to carry on a miserable existence outside the anomalous world. They are the grunt workers, numerous and expendable, kind of like D-Class. Yeah. The insurgency is split into two divisions, uh, military and R&D. Cells within both divisions work independently, unaware of the exact actions and goals of other cells. New recruits receive instructions from their superiors and are expected to follow them unquestioningly, not knowing that every action they take is a part of a larger plan orchestrated by the Delta Command. They are told they are carrying out a great rebellion against the anarchy of the status quo, a world where consensus reality itself is an illusion, history's great lie perpetrated by the Foundation. They are told that they will use the Anomalous to build a utopian future where humanity is master of everything, not just a mirage. But really, who knows what the Chaos Insurgency actually wants. Mm. Okay, so they're like, so they were part of the Foundation, and like, their whole point was to carry out the dirty work, and they were like, eh, whatever, let's, let's just, like, everyone thought they were AWOL, and they're like, let's, let's just, let's just go with that, let's actually go AWOL. Mm -hmm. But the main thing that is really key here is that, um, they were formed of, well, the leadership at least, was formed of the members of, uh, MTF Alpha 1, Red Right Hand, which were okay. intensely loyal to the Foundation and the O5 Council, um, so, like, something, like, really significant had to have happened for them yes. to, to branch off that. Okay. Yes. There's uh, more information in the information tab, um, mm -hmm. which we're going to split into two parts, reading some tales in between that are good starts, which I haven't actually read. <laughs> we don't preview they. things most of the time. Not because we're not prepared. Well, that also. But also, <laughs> but mostly just That's because. The point. Yeah. Mostly because um, it lets us kind of have a better reaction to it. I guess. Not a reaction. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. You know, we no, no, learn no, that, too. that makes sense. We can learn alongside with you. And also, time. We have lives, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alright. This is... Information tab is usually... Is out of character, like a writing guide, usually. So that's why it starts with when writing an object document. So, yeah. That would have been a really good transition if I had re just kept going. <laughs> I didn't have enough breath. <laughs> Alright. When writing an object document for the Chaos Insurgency, you have to keep in mind that unlike the Foundation, the Insurgency actively uses anomalous items. Due to the breakdown between cells and the differences in personnel classes amongst the cells, Delta Command, Delta Command releases purely need-to-know documents. And all the Insurgency really needs to know is what to do with the anomalies, not what they are or their exact method of function. 
Essentially, a member of Delta Command codenamed the Engineer constantly transcribes a massive list of instructions, the plan, and individual steps, without any immediate sense of correlation. Delta Command passes down these instructions down to the bottom ranks of the insurgency. The rest of Delta Command then, then scans and separates those these steps and compiles relevant steps together in step compilation documents. So those are the basics. Before we keep reading, we should probably read the tales which we are going to do. Okay. There's three... There's... It's one tale, three parts type mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. So... Uh, I can go ahead and read the first one. And you just want to alternate with, between those? Sure. Okay. Yeah, so the first one uh, within... What, what is it called? Uh, the Within the Darkness on the Face of the Deep series. Uh, the first yes. one of that is called The Gate of Janus. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so... Ever since uh, Zhijin... I'm assuming that's how you pronounce that. I had returned from leading the raid at Larissa. Arjun had watched her nibble on a stale piece of bread. Her face was scrunched in an expression that Arjun judged to be two parts frustration and one part contempt. The two of them were sitting in the cafeteria of the installation, currently serving as the insurgency's headquarters in Greece. The O5 Council had not given them the resources to construct their facilities to ordinary Foundation standards. And why would they? The insurgency was pretending to be a renegade faction anyway. And what renegade would enjoy superior living conditions to those in power? I miss the food at Overwatch, Zhijin said. She tossed the bread onto her plate. I mean, we, we signed up for this, Shin. Completely false. We never chose to become D-Class, nor was the choice to join the red right hand really a, a choice that requires approximately equivalently appealing choices, which were not available. Arjun sighed. And if we did not sign up for this, we do it because it is right. You do it because you believe it to be right. Enough, Arjun said. What happened during the raid? There were no SS... Oh, a Nernerby to be found. The temple was empty. The coalition? Similarly absent, given what the Nernerby weren't there. We beat... Uh, this is... Mm. We beat the Nernerby to whatever they wanted, and we beat the GOC to the Nernerby. Shin uh, started... Just gonna cut in real quick. The mm -hmm. GOC and the coalition is the Global Occult Coalition coalition um another group of interest which we'll cover later okay um jen started picking at her nails she was constantly moving from position to position slouching leaning back resting her head arjun thought of gas particles bouncing around in a pressurized chamber after a while she picked the bread up back up turned it over in her hands and put it back down we took what the adrenerby was after waited for them to come killed most of them left before the coalition showed standard routine stuff arjun why are you so interested you don't usually act this bored, Jen. I was just wondering if something was wrong. It was standard, routine stuff. Why wouldn't I be bored? Jin's words echoed in the emptiness of the cafeteria. Arjun let his attention drift away from Jin. He stared upon row after row of empty seats and metal tables and glowing lights that flickered every so often. There was a question nagging at the back of his mind, and as much as he tried, he could not plug the leak in the dam blocking up all his doubt well enough to prevent it from escaping. I wonder what would have happened if the Adenerby got its hands on the thing, Shin said. What? I mean, don't you ever just wonder, sometimes? What would happen if the bad guys win? To be honest, we're running out of unambiguous bad guys. They're wizard Nazis, Arjun. Enjoy them while they last, because the GOC isn't having any of this. Arjun shook his head. You're not making any sense. Look, if you can't imagine the world where the bad guys win, then what? What are the stakes? What's at risk? This is why imagination is important. Arjun, because it'll teach you motive. Why am I here? The question flooded Arjun's mind. 
Arjun tried repeating to himself, the O5 Council stood to protect humanity, and if the O5 Council needed an organization that did the Foundation's work while absolving it of responsibility, then so be it. But the flood washed that answer away. Ideology became faint and distant before Arjun's eyes, and he realized with a surge of panic that without that, there was nothing else to hold on to. And then as soon as it came, the question receded, leaving behind a mind that was not quite sure if the question had come at all. So what was the Ananerbi even after? V8 automobile engine. Anomalous properties? Jin shrugged. I didn't touch the thing. Didn't look at it. You know, standard protocol. We're testing the thing now. Hell, if I want to be in charge, though. Testing is terrible. So we have no idea what the thing is. The one exciting thing about this entire ordeal, yes. Exciting things. Arjun thought about Overwatch. Glory and prestige had a certain smell. Incense and roses, maybe. When they burned and threw out smoky fumes in the air. That scent filled Arjun's nose when he thought on his own position. He is one of the elect, the chosen few, those who would stand at the side of the L5 and turn back the tide of exciting things. But there was nothing to do. I would avoid Michelle tomorrow if I were you, Jin said. She, shone, she yawned wildly. She shawned? She, she yawned, yeah. Why? Wildly, not wildly. Hmm. Look, I have English next semester. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Jin laughed before standing and turning to leave. Her marvelous in- invention completely failed to work in the raid. Turns out memetics is bullshit after all. Night, Arjun. Good night, Jin. And then there's a little break. Mm-hmm. At six foot seven, Michelle Richardson stood well above the other seven members of the insurgency's high command. They all had sight, so they all knew that she was perpetually hungry. For years, Arjun had been vaguely aware of some enticing thing lurking just outside the boundaries drawn by the Foundation, something unprofessional and unsanity and unscientific and quite possibly savage. He shunned it. Michelle craved it. When Arjun found her on the roof of their research facility, staring at the lights of San Francisco skyline in the distance, she had a painting canvas before her. It was impossible to see what she was painting in the darkness. As Arjun approached, she, he noticed several glass vials litter, littering the floor. How are you doing, Arjun, she asked. Good, thank you. Anything I can do for you? No, I only came up here for some fresh air. It gets stubby in the barracks sometimes. Mm. Michelle turned back to her painting, while Arjun stood silently behind her. After a few seconds, he turned back around and locked eyes with Arjun. He knew that he could not observe Michelle without being observed back and harder. If she had things her way, the universe would organize itself such that it would always be viewed through her eyes. Let's talk, Arjun. I don't like when you only stand there. I want you to speak. Let's have a conversation. I'll start. What is your opinion on the engine? Arjun blinked. I don't believe that we should be so confident that the engine is really... Every single researcher who has ever been exposed to the engine without exception has achieved some miraculous breakthrough in a field of anomalous silence. Do you believe that the universe is so chaotic that a probabilistic, impossibly outcome... Ooh, I butchered that. (laughs) Do you believe that the universe is so chaotic that a probabilistically impossible outcome such as this simply happens without fanfare? I don't know, Michelle. The insurgency was too far gone. For years, Arjun had seen those signs of the world, seen those signs that were straight and ordered, seen those signs that twisted and howled. He had known what was safe and what was dangerous. Then, he had been ordered to dive in the jungle of the anomalous and in that, in, in that heart of darkness somehow map a way through the torturous land. The voice of guidance from on high had commanded him to eat the forbidden fruit, and so he did. And, what did it mean to use the anomalous? Whatever goals were achieved, whatever victories won, the anomalous was part of that result. Arjun knew that the anomalous was beginning to take root in his body. When the day came that he could no longer call the paranormal alien, when he looked at the sign of his own soul and saw it twisted, Arjun knew that he would be permanently lost. You're afraid, Michelle said. I am not afraid. 
Don't lie to me. I can see the fear in your eyes. You're afraid of the engine. It's understandable. But our job is to use the anomalous. It was our assignment. Ultimately, our job is to contain the anomalous because it is dangerous, because it poses unacceptable risks to human society. Michelle laughed. Human society? What value is human society anyway? For as long as either of us knows, human society has been built on a lie. And personally, I don't like deception. Arjun didn't know if Michelle grasped the irony of what she was saying. Imagine what we could do with the engine, Michelle said. It is a force for progress. If the Foundation were to use the engine, we would be able to achieve wondrous things. What does the Foundation understand now? Memetics. Amnestics. That's why we have hallucinogenic... Mm -mm, memeto... Amnestic substance. It lets us see the world beyond reality, giving us unparalleled insight into the present and future. What if we understood the concept of sapience, the human, or the non-human, soul, reality-bending? So what has the O5 Council said? I have yet to submit a report to them. Arjun blinked. What? As promising as the results are, I have no desire to give the O5 Council any false hope. It would be embarrassing. I need more testing and more time, and even when I'm ready, a report cannot be immediately sent, especially given how absolutely secure any communications between us and the O5 Council must be. But, at the very least, preliminary findings, so that they know, I'm overseeing all research regarding the engine. All eight of us had previously decided that this would be the case. Are you questioning my authority? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. But, Michelle, we are indebted to the O5 Council. They have elected us to be their most trusted soldiers. Even in the darkness, he could feel the intensity of Michelle's stare. I am doing nothing but honor the trust they place in us. I serve nothing but the better tomorrow that the O5 Council works towards. What do you serve? Over the course of the conversation, Michelle had advanced close enough that he would have he would have had to kill her if he had any doubt about her intentions. He felt her eyes take hold of him, dissect him, and subject him to the relentless force of her, of her will. He said nothing, because he knew that if he surrendered, she would release him. Without saying anything, Michelle walked past Arjun and left the rooftop. Arjun stood, watching the sky until the sun rose and light washed over him. Now he could see the painting. In the middle of the night sky above the San Francisco skyline, one star shone brighter than all the rest. Eight rays of light em emanated from the star. Each ray curved and then split into more and more lines of light, which spread across the sky. <clears throat> kind of like the logo that they have. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's actually a good point. Hmm. Interesting. Ooh, my desk probably just made funky sounds there. <laughs> okay, see, so do you want to go ahead and, and read the next... The next one? Yep. Uh, this one, that one was called the Gate of Janus. Well, Gate of Janus, not the... Uh-huh. This one's called Asymptomatic Carrier, which I guess is... Uh, I, yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> I guess. Sure is. Probably has nothing to do with the story itself, though. Yeah, I, I notice they tend to do that a lot. <laughs> Fancy okay. big words. Mm. Are there joke tales? Never mind. That's not... I'm gonna... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's for later. Yeah, that's that's for later. Okay. Bonus episode, writing a joke tale. Never mind. No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By Arjun's estimations, the coalition was surprisingly professional for an organization that was barely three years old. There was something in the methodical, cold way that they operated that reminded Arjun of the Foundation itself. But there was also a naivety that Arjun could, had never seen in the Foundation... When they sent out retrieval teams, they had no insurance. There were no specifically expendable personnel to sacrifice in the case of disaster. 
Arjun removed the binoculars from his eyes, wiping sa wiped, wiped sand out of the lens, then stowed the instrument back into his pack. Beside him, Zizin was talking to Owen. So, Owen, what do you think the GOC's got its hands on this time? Owen adjusted his shoelaces. You know, they say, or at least their internal communications say, that the that they think this hole has information about the Anner Nerby's new toys. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, but who knows? They might find something more interesting. Owen turned to his side and quietly issued a command through the radio. If you find anything useful with those eagle eyes of yours, make sure, make sure to nab it, right? Make Michelle happy. Give her something to show off to the O5. I mean, they're asking for more, and God knows Michelle wants to give it. You think it's strange that the O5 wants more from us, Arjun said. Zizin chuckled. <clears throat> Not strange. Tedious. Look at these guys, crawling around in the sand, trying to figure out what it is they've dug up so they can see the wheels of inter intergovernmental bureaucracy into the motion. Set, not see. Um, is it a threat to consensus reality? Can we negotiate with it? If not, how easily can we blow it up? <laughs> Wait, but first, can we use it and then blow it up later? And the O5 wants more in the, the event that we fight them. Without turning to face either of them, Owen said, they're here. Arjun stood up as a vehicle pulled beside them. Insurgency operatives began hauling heavy equipment out of the vehicle. Assembly of the instrument took the better part of an hour, while Arjun, Zijin, and Owen looked on. Eventually, a large, crude metal gate stood before them. Arjun looked into the gate and saw the universe shatter into an infinitely replicating fractal pattern. He pitied the men who had built the machine. They could not appreciate its beauty. Remember, Arjun said, reconnaissance. Find what they're looking for. Evaluate its threat potential. Take, take it if necessary. Zhijin, if anybody dies or if anything gets destroyed, I'll hold you accountable. Your leadership inspires me not to disappoint you, Zhijin said. Immediately afterwards, she walked into the gate and disappeared. Arjun and Owen made eye contact. You haven't learned how to shut her up, Owen said. No, it's regrettable. Owen shrugged. Time to go. <clears throat> the two of them entered the gate together. When he exited, Arjun found himself stepping out of, outside of a tent. Workers with the emblem of the United Nations on their vest moved about, covered in dirt, hauling pickaxes and barking orders. Nobody took any notice of Arjun. Part of their mind was too busy, and the other part that would have ordinarily noticed the three was too occupied in appreciating the invisible mimetic fireworks display taking place three yards to the left of the intruders to pay any attention to them. Well, I should say... I, Well, <laughs> I should say sorry to Michelle. Maybe mimetics isn't BS after all, Zhijin said. Without saying anything, Owen disappeared into the crowd of GOC workers. Arjun turned to Zhijin. Come on, Jin, he said. Why such a hurry, Jin asked. We already know exactly when we're, where we're supposed to go. What? Really, Arjun? Arjun looked back at the chaotic throng of people swarming the dig site. Zhijin was right. He could see a pattern in their movement, in the way their voices melded together into one indiscernible mass, in the ways their eyes traveled and their feet shuffled. Their actions and their thoughts were all caught in the gravitational well of a certain object, and if Arjun only looked to find the center of their collective orbit, he could find what he was looking for. I see it, Arjun said. Zhijin snorted. Then let's go. Just as the two of them moved, as the two moved towards the tor, the as the two moved, <laughs> the target, yeah, the target, the tor target, um, as the two moved towards the target, illuminated by the halmus, Arjun felt his mind stir uneasily. There was very little chance that anything could would go wrong. Even if they were noticed, it was almost impossible that they would be caught or killed, and no possibility either way that the foundation would have to bear any consequences. Arjun imagined what it was like for the people who lived in consensus reality and were exposed to the anomalous. The universe itself was revealed to be a lie, a comfortable veneer draped over the true world by an unseen hand, and in truth, reality was an alien, terrifying place. Arjun had known the unknowable for as long as he could remember, but now, walking through the Coalition dig site, he felt like the 
ignorant, uninitiated, about to be baptized in murk darky water. Murky dark water, god. <laughs> murk darky? Murk darky. <laughs> murk darky. That's a character mm. name. The two of them stopped in front of a nondescript tent. For a moment, neither of them moved or said anything. It's here, Zhijin said. Whatever it is, we came here to find out, didn't we? Is something wrong? Zhijin was staring at the tent. I think so, but I don't know what. It's an unpleasant sensation. You're being nonsensical again. Am I? Whatever. Zhijin passed Arjun and entered the tent. Arjun followed close behind. Inside, Arjun found himself completely incapable of noticing any details about the interior of the tent. His attention was captured entirely by a small book sitting on the table in the middle of the tent. Zhijin had already flipped to a page inside the book. What are you doing? How long have you been on Halmas, Arjun? Can't you see this? This is... Zhijin looked up from the book. Her face was set in the rocky tones of determination. Her eyes radiating, radiated the fragile gleam of fear. You need to stand at the door and make sure nobody comes in, she said. You've served the O5 Council faithfully all your life. You've done it because you know that there is some greater purpose behind everything. If you still think that, then do this. What's going on? If, if you can't see, that just it just means something is definitely wrong. Watch the door, or else I know that things are going to get worse. What? Give me 30 seconds, Arjun. Zhijin took a syringe of Halmus out of her pocket and stuck it into her arm. Halmus refers to so many different things, and I can't tell what. Light being protected by something, where they are, and a syringe of it. Alright, whatever. <laughs> when Arjun turned around to stand at the door, he found himself staring Owen in the face. Let me in, he said. No. Zhijin told me not to let you in. Not told you not to let me in. I, you don't know why. Owen's cold blue eyes did not move. They were as dry and endless as the desert itself. She's found something. Yes, and you don't know what it is. You don't know what she's doing. Let me in. Arjun stayed in place. There were things that he knew. He knew that it was against protocol for Zhijin to be taking Halmus while in direct exposure to a possible cognito hazard. He knew that it was a betrayal for Michelle to fail to inform the O5 Council about the developments surrounding the engine. He knew all these things, but he did not know them, like he knew but did not know that of a greater purpose floating somewhere out there. For all anyone knew, it was in outer space or buried a thousand miles underground, or maybe it didn't even exist. He had realized by now that he knew but did not know so many things, and, and the only thing that he really knew was that he had always trusted Chen Zhijin. Move, Arjun. She, asked, she had asked for 30 seconds, and now he had to give them. I can't. She told me not to let anyone in. I don't know why, but you sure as hell don't know why you need to get in there. I can see it in your face, Owen. Don't lie to me. Owen reached into his pocket, pulled out a thin metal cylinder, and pressed a button on the top. When Arjun regained consciousness, Owen was behind him and inside the tent. A second later, he pulled out a lighter and tossed it onto the book. Zhijin swore and dropped it to the ground, where green flames consumed the book instantly. Zhijin put a hand on her pistol. Owen, what the hell? It was cognitohazardous. If you suffered continu continued exposure while in Halmus, your memory would store the cognitohazard and you would become unacceptably compromised. This is standard protocol. For a moment, Zhijin only breathed heavily. Then, she said, you're right. I fucked up. So did you... you just destroyed that thing when it was obviously important. So how about we make a deal? If anybody, Michelle in particular, hears about this, we're both fucked. Right, Owen? Fine. Nobody spoke as they left the tent. Hours later, when Arjun was in his quarters and staring at the ceiling, he was struck by a sudden hatred for the O5 Council. He remembered the metal cylinder and the green fire. Neither of those things should have existed. And now, and if now they existed, then what cause was he fighting for? Nothing made sense anymore. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. 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 Okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that one. Um, 
was called the I just X'd out of that page. Oh. Um, it was called uh, Asymptomatic Carrier. Hey, everyone. Uh, I just want to stop this episode real quick, um, let you guys know. Thank you for listening. Um, be sure to share the, the show. It's, it's very appreciated. Tell your friends, tell anyone who is, you know, interested in this kind of thing. Um, real quick, I'm going to go ahead and, and promote our Patreon and our Twitter. Um on Patreon, we have a uh, $1 tier, which is a shout-out uh, within these mid-rolls, um, as well as a $5 tier um, for Discord and cut content, as well as a, a shout-out in these. Um, go ahead and also, like I said, follow us on Twitter um, at uh, SCP Podcast, or sorry, SCP Oddcast Show. Um, SCP Podcast, that's that's 1P. Um, it uh Soren, you can edit this out um if it's not it is but you know um the uh our the link to our twitter should also be in the description of the podcast episodes um our discord is linked on twitter if you want to go in go on that um so you can talk to us um uh, any updates on announcements or things that are going on um, for sponsor for sponsorships, promotional messages, and personal messages, please go ahead and email SCP Podcast uh, once again one p uh, official at gmail.com. And uh, finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod for providing our music under the title "Twisting." Um, and the next one, and presumably the final one, um, is called "The Ant." So I'm gonna go yes. ahead and read this one. <clears throat> Three days later, Arjun found Jijin on the rooftop of the San Francisco headquarters. There was a smile on her face as pale and insubstantial as the moon itself. Cigarette smoke formed a light cloud around her head. When she saw him, her smile grew wider. She said, Hey, Arjun. What are you doing up here? I've been hard at work over the past three days, and I've decided that I want a break. Yes. What have you been doing? With what endeavor have you been spending your life and time? Trying to make sense of whatever you're doing with that book. Were you? Wonderful. And what have you discovered? Nothing. Even better. You're as ignorant as always. Come on, Arjun. Sit down. Arjun approached slowly. Zhijin was slumped against the fence that encircled the perimeter of the rooftop. Beyond her, the darkness past the edge of the building loomed. I told nobody about what happened, Arjun said. Good for you, Zhijin said. Zhijin took the cigarette out of her mouth and crushed it to the ground. Why do you think the O5 created us? I mean, I, I could say that they wanted us to do their to do their dirty work for them, but I don't think that's the answer you want. When Arjun spoke to the IO five, he did not he did not use his sight to look too closely at what took place behind their closed doors. The reality of the situation was that they were reasonably competent bureaucrats in starch suits, sipping water out of shiny glass cups during board meetings. But Arjun knew reality to be wildly inconsistent and often misleading. Reality was a cage. That which defied reason was hunched over in the damp cell behind reality. What do you think the engine is? Arjun shook his head. I don't know. The O5 knows what it is, Shijin said. She laughed. <laughs> what did we expect? That we could hide from their all-seeing eye? They know. They've known, for God knows how long, exactly what this thing is. But they're not telling us. That, that, that can't be true. They wouldn't withhold that sort of information. It's containment, Arjun. They are pruning the tree. Maybe the O5 Council and the insurgency had made the mistakes that mattered far before they had ever seen the engine. Arjun wondered just how deeply the anomalous had been part of the insurgency. Not just a tool, but an organ, the beating heart. He wondered how long the O5 had known of their mistake, or how they would punish those responsible for the mistake. It was the intermittent vengeance of an unscrutable force from on high. A force that splintered and reconstructed itself at the same time. The sound of Michelle opening the rooftop door startled Arjun out of his thoughts. 
Hey, Michelle, Zhijun said. Arjun could only stare at her. His tongue was wrapped in too many questions to choose one. Arjun, Zhijun, she said. What are you two doing up here? Zhijun shrugged. Shooting the shit. Why don't you two follow me? I have something I'd like to show both of you. By all means, Zhijun said. Come on, Arjun. Arjun followed in complete silence. The hand of dread was gripping tight around his throat, preventing him from speaking. He was only now realizing that for some time he had been dependent on the security that the Foundation provided. The base was cracking now, and with each step, Arjun felt the earth shake as the Foundation rattled itself apart. Michelle led them down to the basement of the headquarters, where they stopped at the room in Zhijun's picture. The engine still sat quietly in the middle of the laboratory. Don't be afraid, Arjun, Michelle said. Zhijun snorted. <laughs> yeah, Arjun, don't be scared. It's too late for that. Arjun's eyes were fixed on the engine. He felt his mind begin to run wild. He was being told something. The engine was telling him something. It whispered at the corners of his mind, speaking a language that Arjun couldn't understand. The patterns of science and logic unraveled to reveal higher and higher forms of knowledge. The remains of discarded theories piled in the sewers of humanity and began to rot. The higher the human mind reached, the deeper the referees grew. He was asked. He was challenged. Didn't he see? Arjun stumbled backwards, clutching at his head. Looking to the future, Arjun, Michelle said. Arjun saw stagnation. The human race act out a miserable history until inevitable annihilation. Nihilism's gaping maw swallowed up the essence of existence itself. There was no meaning, no value, nothing. Nothing. No matter which way Arjun looked, humanity was headed towards a heat, death of the soul. Let's talk about chaos, Arjun, Michelle said. The primordial nothingness from which we came and the infinite void to which we go. It is the Alpha, the Omega, and accordingly, chaos is in everything. It is our unavoidable destiny. There are forces which drive us inevitably towards that chaos. Arjun looked at the engine and understood exactly what it was. Zhizhen walked up to the engine and stared at him. So, O5 said, fuck it, and abandoned us to this thing. Whatever is taking place inside the O5 Council is much more complicated than that. They are driven by blind vengeance and over-pragmatism both at once. More than anything, they are compelled by the all-consuming drive to contain. It is their survival strategy. But all of us here know how effective that strategy is, right? I can't blame them, Zhijin said. There's no way out. The end game deal for all of us is some dusty, shitty end. Although I suppose that now we're stuck with this thing. That end game deal is going to happen a lot sooner. Michelle turned on Zhijin. Fatalism produces no results. Look, I'm not really in the mood to talk about fatalism, how we're saddled with that fucking thing, or our inevitable death. Let's talk about why you ordered Owen to destroy the book. Because I know you did that. It was a cognito hazard. Bullshit. The only reason the GOC found it was because they were looking for information on what the Ananerbi was after. And the Ananerbi was after that thing. That book was information. It was knowledge. And you burned it. Why? You think there's a way out, but the engine is already affecting your thinking. Michelle stepped closer to Zhijin. Are you suggesting that I'm compromised? Nothing personal. We're all probably compromised. The engine had nothing to do with my decision to destroy what I knew to be a cognito-hazardous object. Zhijin smiled. Whatever you say. Michelle, Arjun said. We would know if she were compromised. We would be able to see. Slowly, Michelle drew back. Arjun turned to Zhijin. Regardless, that doesn't explain why you exposed yourself to that book in the first place. You haven't told any of us, not even me, what you saw inside that book. Meaningless bullshit, Zhijin said. Nothing important. Jin, for God's sake, you have to tell us, Arjun said. Zhijin laughed. <laughs> to be completely honest, I don't care what she saw in that book, Michelle said. It's irrelevant. We have enough information in front of us right now to proceed with a plan of action. 
The 05 Council is shaking itself apart. There are some who recognize that the entire project of the insurgency was an enormous mistake. And then those are there are those who are responsible. The ones who will join us, Arjun said, in our exile. Michelle shook her head. They will aid us in the beginning, open doors that we don't have the key to. But we will be alone after that. I don't know what will happen to them. They disappear like fairies into the night, Jijin said. What else? Arjun looked at the engine. It stood silently, content to only watch them. Why not, Arjun? Why not? Arjun realized that it needed to do only to do very little. Subvert a situation here, give a suggestion there, because it would win in the end anyway. But he wondered if even the engine could have infinite patience for the end of time to come. Arjun said, that thing is important. Sooner or later, it will act. Very soon, Michelle said. But we can use it. Jason covered her mouth with her hands and started shaking. When the O5s wanted more out of this project, I used Helmus to look deeper into the engine. It is knowledgeable. It is willing to give up its knowledge if we fight against the Foundation. That is the way is the way forwards. As we are as are we as we are now, humanity has no choice but to fall in, into unending chaos. But if we understand the anomalous, then we have a way out. If we understand the anomalous, Jijin said. Oh god. Arjun shook his head. If we fight the foundation? That's absurd. They've done everything for us. Have they? Michelle said. Have they? They abandoned us for their mistake. They are content to sit on their stockpile of anomalous objects to contain and not to know to do what they have done for eternity while the world crumbles into dust behind them. They think that they will be immortal if they do this, but they're wrong. Look into the future again, Arjun. Didn't he see? There was one branch that led away from the inevitable nihilism. It was a branch of conflict and violence and betrayal, of isolation and exile. But when the O5 expels some of their own, we will be given aid, Michelle said. And with that aid, we can spark hope. There's only one way out. Arjun began to shake. It can't be, he said. This can't be the only possibility. Do you disbelieve your own sight? For God's sake, the foundation's all we have. There's nothing else for us. No birthplace, no home, no family, no history, no identity, nothing. We were made to serve, and without service, Arjun flinched as Michelle drew up against them. There will be no more service for us. In a day, the foundation will make the illusion a reality, and we will be true outcasts. God knows what happens after that. We are being cast out as we speak, Arjun. Slowly, but the boundaries of Arjun's being crumbled around him. The past was dying, and the future glowed red and angry before his eyes. The present whispered omens of destruction into his ears. When the boundaries fell, he realized he could do anything now. Fine, he whispered. Fine, Jijin said. Oh, goddammit. No, neither of you get it. There is no way out. There is nothing to understand. You are just digging yourselves deeper and deeper into that den of the fucking thing. Michelle's jaw twitched as she ground her teeth together. I take it that means you don't agree with my proposal, then. Look, you moron. Imagine I get a toddler to scribble all over the floor. If you know a goddamn thing, you can see it's all nonsense. But if you're an ant and you see the tiniest, tiniest part of this four-year-old's bullshit, it's a straight line. It makes sense. There's order in all things. That is us. We are the ant. Aren't you remember the night of the day when they had received the assignment to create the insurgency? The future was filled with uncertainty, and something dark swirled in Arjun's heart. He said to Zhijin that the Foundation was all he had. He didn't even know why he knew his own name. He had, starred, he had stared into his hands and watched fear take hold of him. Zhijin smiled. She had said, O5 can go fuck themselves, and Arjun had felt a tiny bit of fear, a tiny bit of his fear dissolve. He had always trusted her. Jin, please, this is our only way out. Zhijin laughed. I'm not sending myself on an idiot's quest. I've spent the last 20 years doing that already. Then leave, Michelle said. 
Go out into the wilderness. Don't you understand that neither we nor the Foundation will find your existence tolerable? The Foundation won't take you, and you won't have us. Arjun took a half-step towards Jijin. Jin, aren't we... Aren't, aren't we your friends? Without saying anything, Jijin turned around and left. Arjun felt himself shiver as she went. None of the others know, Michelle said. What Jijin just did shows that we can't tell them. We'll have to let the engine take them. Arjun nodded mutely. Was this what it was like to be cast out? To be barred entry into the homes of the warm and comfortable? Somewhere, the O5 counselor, Council sat in its fortress of stone and continued orchestrating the mass alienation of the human race from reality. Arjun didn't even know if he cared about the end anymore. Who cared if the human race lived a lie for the rest of the time? Who cared if they died the whimpering death? At least it would have been warm. But he could still not bring himself to follow Zizhen out that door. In the center of the room, eight cylinders began to whir. Whoosh. And that is it. Yep, that's the, that's the big sound it made, whoosh. An engine doing something unspecified. Yeah, and is once it again... driving the universe or driving you insane? Once again, the um, the logo that is within this has the red dot in the middle, the engine, uh, and what it said. Um, uh, eight cylinders began to whir, and the logo has eight of those bars. Oh. I didn't even think about that. Jeez. All right, well... That's interesting, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. like how it all started, I guess. Yeah. So, like, whatever that whatever that V eight engine was was the thing that you know you mentioned basically made the the, the, the big boys go haywire. Yes. Mhm. Yes. Yeah. So that's a cool little like um, insight into how it, how everything happened and why everything went wrong because. There certainly are a lot of things that go wrong within this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Lots of things. All right. Um, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to read a little bit more of the information tab now that we've done that. Um, mm-hmm. Because spoilers, also things won't make sense. Yada, yada, yada. Here's this. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to read it exactly as it says, and it's going to sound real casual because it's written real casual. Let's talk about the thematic foundation of these documents. The point of this portrayal of the Chaos Insurgency is they're all getting absolutely played by the engine. This object format is supposed to embody the inherent contradictions in the nature of the Chaos Insurgency. They're an organization that purports to have its goal, have as its goal the perfect understanding and integration of the anomalous, but they don't tell their operatives anything about these paranormal objects or phenomena. There is a, the illusion of order. They're following a strict series of instructions, but the reality is chaos. The average Chaos Insurgency operative has no idea what they're doing or why. They're just following the engine's plan. Oh, also, who's the engineer? A member of Delta Command who's in constant telepathic conversation with the engine, unceasingly transcribing the engine's will into the plan. Basically, a mouthpiece. The engine is the real mastermind behind everything, but nobody but Delta Command is aware of the engine's existence or true nature. Just to close out, when approaching these documents, we think it's much more helpful for you as a writer, well, you know... Yeah. Not to think about an object you want to portray, but instead a story regarding that object, and even more specifically, what the Chaos Insurgency wants to do with that object. In order to portray exactly what the object is, you'll have to work around the knowledge blackout of the fa- of the Insurgency to weave in implications, hints, or references to other parts of the Foundation universe. After this, there's a section that breaks down the sections of the uh, format, which this is something I want to talk about real quick. Um... Groups of interest have their own formats of mm. pages. 
Um, like the unusual incidents unit is like a classified brochure. Chaos Uncertainty is, I don't know, it's something. Um, but <laughs> a lot of them have their own things, and sometimes they'll change the sites, like theme. Um, there's a lot of things that it can do, basically. Depending mm. on what group of interest it is, it'll change differently. And the writing format is the main thing that changes most of the time. Because the foundations is, well, the foundations, not everyone's. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, document breakdown, there's the D0 catalog number. The D0 Delta Command Intelligence Recording Office catalog number is the Chaos Insurgency's basic equivalent of the Foundation's item number, except that it applies to all documents, even, like, reports and stuff. Uh, the type, while step compilation will always be, will always be in the document type at the top of the document, included <laughs> sub-documents will have a different document types. Sub-document information is detailed further below. There's templates for the writing it on the site, but... Mm. Data C is pretty self-explanatory using xx-xx-xxxx. Uh, month, day, year is a template. Uh, that was a date format. <laughs> Keep in mind the uh, example 04-22-1995. Keep in mind these dates correlate with the D0 number of the steps compilation document. Operation status, if all the steps in the document have been followed and no further steps are expected to be produced, the operation status is closed. If the insurgency is still following the steps and or it is suspected that more relevant steps will be produced, the operation status is open. Forward. Delta Command is not exactly the most sane group of individuals. The forward is them essentially talking to themselves, as only they would ever see the forward, usually through colorful language or metaphors, useful for cluing the reader onto exposition things you won't be able to easily do within the steps. Then there's a bunch of things about writing them, but we don't need to deal with that. Mm -hmm. If you want to write it, you should read it yourself, because if you're trying to base all your knowledge of how to write things off this podcast, well... <laughs> I wouldn't take our advice. Uh, yeah, probably don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so within that, we're going to go ahead and read a couple of, of the SCPs that have been written. Yeah, there's um, three of them, so we can probably get through one and the related ones that it has relevance to, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to read the one that uh, it's that is mentioned in the other one first? So we have that as a sort of basic... Uh, let me... Real thing. quick, go through here and see. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Sure. All right. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so then the first yeah. one that we're going to read is, so we have a sort of basic knowledge, because uh, it is mentioned in the, the next one that we will do, is uh, SCP-884. Um, the item number is SCP-884. The object class is safe crossed out and then uncrossed out Euclid. The special containment procedures, all of this is crossed out. Or, no, 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 part, half of it, sorry. It says SCP-884-4 is to be stored in locker 147 at site blank. Or, it's uh, redacted. SCP-884-4 may be re uh, re re uh, requisitioned for research with approval of either Dr. Cho or Dr. Ignan. And all of that was crossed out. Um, not crossed out, it says, due to the events of January 11, 2000... Redacted. All access to SCP-884-4 is currently denied, and all requests to examiner test 884-4 uh, are to be submitted directly to O5- Redacted for approval. 884-4 is to be placed in deep storage at site Redacted. Uh, and then next to that is a picture. Of, it looks like a hand mirror. Um, it, it's like it golden, kind of a bunch of stuff. I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, description. Uh, SCP-884-4 is a men's shaving mirror, okay, yeah, made of glass and ivory, presumably constructed at some point around 1914. 
It is the last remaining object in what was originally a complete set of men's grooming tools. The others have been lost to testing and theft earlier this century. Other notable examples include SCP-884-2, alias the Razor, which was stolen by the Chaos Insurgency during their split with the Foundation, and 884-6, alias the Comb, which was neutralized following incident 884-6-4172. For additional information on the remaining object classified as SCP-884, please see file SCP-884 Original Collection. And that has, you know, all of the ones that are within it. Um, 884 Dash 4 possesses a mild hallucinogenic quality. Subjects who have used it while shaving report on an inability to perceive the removal of hair, causing repeated attempts to shave areas of the face that, in reality, have already been shaved. Uh, this usually results in irritation and has, in one instance, contributed to the accidental severing of the uh, carotid artery, and then crossed out. Other than this, no significant effects have been recognized. As of December 12th, 19 redacted, SCP-884-4 is remanded to the storage locker, 147 at site redacted and then not crossed out see addendum 884-4-9 and addendum 884-4-10 um yeah and then it has several addendums underneath that we can alternate if you want sure um addendum one uh sap-884-4 at the insistence of insurgency defector a redacted one of the three operatives to openly approach the foundation with information about the insurgency and request the opportunity to rejoin Foundation officials have ordered SCP-884-4's containment staff to move the object to a safer location at site-blank. Site-redacted. Addendum 2. February 19th, 1950. Redacted. And incident report SCP-884-4. Following the deaths of Agent Norris and Dr. Ignant on October 14th, 19. Redacted. At the hands of Chaos Insurgency personnel, Insurgency Defector A. Redacted is to be terminated. SCP-884-4 reclassified as lost. Ooh. Addendum 3. April 11th, 1950 blank. Uh, recovery report SCP-884-4. Successful raids on suspected insurgency storage locations resulted in the recovery of SCP-blank, SCP-884-4, SCP-blank, and no fewer than single-digit anomalous objects. SCP-884-4 was discovered in an insurgency lab with several extensive experiments set up, including data expunged and data expunged. The Agent Jones and Corporal Blake were, are credited with the recovery of SCP-884-4 at great personal peril. Both have been awarded data redacted for their actions, as well as one week paid leave. Dr. Cho has been provided with a lab and a staff to re reconstruct insurgency research. Addendum 4. Extensive testing has concluded that the insurgency's testing was without purpose. SCP-884-4 is remanded to storage at site. Redacted. For a full report of testing and trials, please see attached document SCP-884-4 redacted. October 2nd, 19 blank, addendum 5. Concerning insurgency action <laughs> Concerning insurgency action 327. The chaos insurgency staged an attack on site blank, losing approximately blank parentheses blank of their number. The only target of the attack, circumstance... The only target of the attack, circumstance... <laughs> I, I read it right the first time, and then you I did, thought and I then did you it like, wrong. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, 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 <laughs> the only target of the attack, circumstantial evidence has led there officials to conclude, was SCP-884-4's containment locker. By order of 05-blank, testing on SCP-884-4 has been slated to resume. Addendum 6. Due to Dr. Cho's drowning death in 19-blank, Dr. Uh, Rasmussen has been asked to head research on SCP-884-4. Researchers will be asked to report to duty on January 11, 19-blank. 
report, uh, Adenum 7, report of Dr. Rasmussen, uh, January 19 blank. After two years, continual tr- tests have repeatedly shown no additional abnormalities in SCP-884-4. Due to the persistence of the threat by the insurgency, it is recommended that extreme care be taken in protecting SCP-884-4, and agents be assigned to uncover the information the insurgency apparently has concerning 884-4. Addendum 8, a field transmission of Agent L redacted, 2000 redacted, upon receiving final uh, communique of Agent P redacted. Following the deep cover placement and reception of Agent P redacted, significant information concerning SCP-884-4 has come to light, most having originally been removed from Foundation files before the split with the insurgency by members of a faction, particularly the head researcher Dr. G redacted. 884-4 must be placed in secure lockdown, and all Foundation employees who have come in contact with it must report to Dr. S. Redacted for immediate examination. Final report will be submitted to O5 via personnel courier within 24 hours. Uh, addendum 9, SCP-884-4 is to, is to be placed in deep storage at site blank. No further contact is to be allowed with SCP-884-4. SCP-884-4 is now reclassified as Euclid until final prognosis is made by Agent L and Dr. S. I'm going to say that we should read Addendum 10 after we read the Chaos Insurgencies thing on it. Okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> uh, I'll go ahead and read that then real quick. Um, okay. Yes. The So SCP-49-785-52-543. Which is also the DeSiro catalog number. The document type is Step Compilation. Uh, dates received... Uh, 06-04-1949 through 09-26-1952. Operation status open. Forward. Soon after his forge, the hidden blade in the Foundation's blood-soaked hand was augmented with a stony venom. The information of this slow-acting venom has been largely struck from the records, and with it, the hidden blade downed many of the Foundation's foes, often years after they were struck. And now, the blade out of their reach, the blade silently strikes its old wielder. Wielder. We of Delta Command are confident that Operation Perseus will successfully reflect the dire effects of the Foundation's darkest secrets on itself. Forced to avert their gazes, the Overseers can do naught as the many serpents that read their crown are petrified. And when the time is right, Perseus will rise and the crippled Gorgon petrifying our world will be slain. Hereafter, we of Delta Command document the steps of the plan as transcribed by the engineer of the Chaos Insurgency. Step 49-75 I'm feeling sympathetic to our members who are beginning to question their place with us such as a beta class residing in number 233 on base, on base C. He used to work at Foundation Site-37 and is thinking back on how his old job wasn't that bad. On September 14th, giving him two doses of blue, two doses of blue substance located in Locker B of Base C's chemical storage, insert a GPS tracker while you're at it. Uh, if, he, if and when he tries to leave, allow him to leave unharmed. <clears throat> Step 49-948. Dispatch two teams, one composed of nine Alpha Class personnel and one composed of three Alpha Class and one <coughs> Beta Class. At uh, 0.35 a.m. on October 14th, both teams will assault the Foundation Site 37. Refer them to document FTF-FS32-BP. <coughs> team 1 will terminate the lead researcher studying the object stored in Locker 147, while Team 2 acquires the object stored in Locker 147. Deposit the object in... Locker 11 at storage site 22. Insurgency survivors are to be given amnestics. Step 3. Step uh, 50-23. The beta class that used to reside in number 233 on base C used to be alive. Number 233 on base C is now vacant. Make it occupied. 
step 50 slash 140. The object in locker 11 at storage site 22 is to be moved to research lab lab or research lab 4V. Non-alpha personnel stationed at research lab 4V are to be transferred to research lab 2J. Replace them with alpha class personnel to make it seem as if research lab 4V is still fully operational. Step 51 slash 152. The foundation will raid research lab 4V. Alpha class personnel are to defend the facility with their lives. A post-op summary of the results of the conflict of the conflict is to be delivered to Delta Command. The serial catalog number uh, POR-51-152-001. Document type post operation summary report. Date received 04-12-1951. Uh, Author Captain Olivia Brown. Despite knowing of the raid beforehand and stationing only military personnel within the facility, those stationed at Research Lab 4V suffered major ca major casualties, all before dead, and three of those in critical condition. In addition, 10 of the anomalous objects being studied in Research Lab 4V were secured by the Foundation. This includes the high-profile object recently transferred from Storage Site 22. Step 52-543. On October 2nd, dispatch a team of 7 Alpha Class led by 1 Beta Class to Foundation Site 62, where they are to secure the object stored in Secure Locker 36. Refer to document FTF-FS62-BP for the layout of the Foundation Site 62. Give document CO-52-543-001 to the beta class. The DeSera number uh, catalog number is uh, CO-52-543-001. Document type covert operations, date received 09-26-1952. Author, Delta Command. Hello, Agent. You have been selected for this mission due to your deep loyalty to our cause. As you know, your team is to attack Foundation Site-62 in an effort to acquire the object stored in Secure Locker 36. However, this is not your mission. It is the mission of the Alpha class you will be leading. Your mission is to assure that their mission fails. It is of the utmost importance that the Foundation truly believes that their SCP-884, which we just read, is held in high regard by the Chaos Insurgency. If the Alphas die, if the Alphas dies before they can reach Secure Locker 36, fine. If they manage to get the item, friendly fire is acceptable to prevent them from leaving the site with the object. But again, you must make sure that your true goals remain secret to both your squad and the Foundation. Destroy this document when you are confident you understand what you are to do. This information does not leave the confines of your mind. Good luck. And so do you want to read yeah. addendum the 10? The last addendum 10. Uh, okay. Final report of Agent L. Let me, let me stop real quick. Uh, that final We're, report, um, that is linked. That is a link. I clicked on it, and it's an audio, audio file. Ah, interesting. Final report of Agent L. Blank. Having now worked on this case for close to eight years, it is with some pleasure that I close it. SCP-884-4 has been a continual mystery in containment circles. With the, interest, with the interest of the insurgency, including the sacrifice of no fewer than 20 of their members, in acquiring the object leading to much interest, it is only after the Foundation's own agent were successful in discovering the motives of the insurgency that the truth has come to light. Even then, the full ramifications may never be discovered. In addition to its vaguely unsettling effect, SCP-884-4 had a longer-term symptom that was not discovered during testing due to the regular terminations of Class D subjects. Between four to seven years after exposure, victims of SCP-884-4 begin to experience what Dr. S has called doubt. Symptoms begin subtly, generally notable only as checking and rechecking of reports and results, making sure doors are locked, etc. Et, <laughs> The early onset is almost indistinguishable, for, eh, indistinguishable from mild obsessive-compulsive disorder. Later symptoms develop over the following two to six years, resulting in an increasing disability to create final reports, struggles to make simple choices, and eventually a complete inability to make decisions. 
Thus far, Dr. S. Blank has found no way to cure these problems, and personnel affected are to be placed in low-risk positions. Until later stages set in, they have been discovered to be extremely useful to their, to their fastidiousness, and the Foundation has saved significant resources by using them in this capacity. As to the involvement of the insurgency, it is the opinion of this agent that their motives were simple. They wanted the Foundation to experiment on SCP-884-4, specifically to infect more and more members of the Foundation. Due to the mundane members of this work, mundane nature. <laughs> due to the mundane nature of this work and the low level of researchers assigned in a long-term capacity, close to blank, 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 separate instances of hen uh, uh, hold on, <laughs> I should have cut that out, but I just coughed a bunch. Um, uh, I'm assuming that's uh like something hun hundred looks like, uh, four letters, so probably four hundred separate instances of infection have been discovered. More than uh, blank times the number of personnel they themselves have lost. Examination of causes of death from practically every person associated with research on SCP-884-4 had to do with an inability to make a crucial decision at an important moment. Agent Jones, for example, hesitated a moment between drawing his weapon and running when confronted with SCP-blank in 1950 blank, resulting in his death. Dr. Cho drowned in 19 blank, presumably unable to decide it was time to get out of the bath. Mm. This has been one of the most elegant and long-term plans the insurgency has ever enacted, and its efficacy is obvious. Uh, effic efficacy? I don't know. Yeah. Recommend immediate investigation into the SCPs known to have been examined by previous members of the insurgency, and the temporary freezing of any ongoing research in the interim. Agent L. Blank, Containment Specialist, Second Class. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Extreme okay. doubt and anxiety and self well not anxiety self conscious no it doubt it's yeah. just doubt so there is no so, second word okay yeah so that that's kind of I guess what the um what the hand mirror does and and basically um the uh insurgency is like it's almost, it's kind of almost kind of like they're trying to get the foundation to kill themselves from the inside by like making it seem like they want to get this which means that the foundation will um you know investigate it more and try and figure out what's going on and by doing that they are you know receiving the side effects of the, the extreme doubt and and yes. like you said anxiety and everything and that that makes them eventually die because they just like can't figure out what the hell to do <laughs> like getting out of the bathtub at the right time yep or which, drawing your weapon or running yeah which like it I don't even like I could get how you might be able to drown in a shower but like with a bathtub like it only goes up so high are you also who takes a bath and just like lays underneath the water <laughs> just like uh... like unless you're like three <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> who genuinely takes a bath and then's like yeah yeah and just goes underneath but okay you know what to, to each his own whatever yeah I guess um, that might be it for now. Yep, yeah, basically, okay. So kind of like a reflection here. The Chaos Insurgency is not exactly what I thought it was. I okay. was under the impression that it was just like a standard splinter group that wanted to free, that their goal was to free SCPs. But rather their goal is to kind of um, just use them to execute a plan by something they don't know what the end goal is mm -hmm. of. In order to, like, be without underneath the control of the Foundation and be able to live life, like, free and knowledgeable and everything. Yes, supposedly. Though mm -hmm. they don't know for sure what the engine is actually doing. 
Yeah. Um, that's what basically they're, they're insane. Yeah, they, yeah. Well, I mean, that's not uncommon within this. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. But they're just completely insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then within that, they also like to kind of therefore fuck with the foundation because they're not whatever reason whatever reason that the engine is telling them or specifically the engine is telling the engineer which then relays information um is not good um and they they don't so they don't like that um yeah which once again is also reflected within the logo of the chaos insurgency with the engine in the middle the eight pillars i'm not sure necessarily what the significance of the eight is um and then once again, it says, should intermittent vengeance uh, arm again his red right hand to plague us? Um, which, I, I think you mentioned, like, the red right hand, that has something to do with the group that were close to the foundation. Um, so that it's were originally the insurgency yeah, before and so, they actually splintered off. Uh-huh. And so they're, they're basically saying, like, should we, like, should we actually, like, continue staying loyal to these people, or, or should we, like... You know, actually trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Or, quote-unquote, what is going on based off what this engine tells us. Yeah, and, uh... Honestly, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Not many people do at this point. They're just... Um, like, literally all the way up from the chain of command, they're following orders. And yeah. they don't... None, like, this organization is based entirely off not knowing why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But they're also, At like, so level. brainwashed by it that they just, like, literally don't care. They just do it, yeah. Which is interesting because the reason why they, they broke off or, or originally from the Foundation was because they didn't know what they were doing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. So they're conspiracy theorists, but real. <laughs> yeah. Someone get Matt Patton here. Um, anyways, oh, no. uh, yeah. You got we watched it on Twitter. We watched him in... in in shop class one day and i don't know why we watched like my teacher was just like oh yeah so we're gonna watch film theory now and it was just like the episode where they talked about like all the different things that willy wonka did wrong with his like with the law and coming up with the thing i think it was supposedly like a, a thing to tell us about like hey in business Safety. like you have to follow these things or else you'll be like really screwed over um but also, it, it's literally film theory in, in class. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. He's been doing some weird things lately. And then Toby Fox roasted him on Twitter, and he's... Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, we won't get into that now. That's Leave for... credit. Do your own work. <laughs> All that. But, yeah. 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 So, uh, this once again... This isn't a podcast about that, so... <laughs> <laughs> really not. Not even close. Um, All right. Uh, next but... week, we'll have an episode this time hopefully yes <laughs> I, I promise yeah, we will try to stay consistent no no no. we will stay consistent there is no try <clears throat> pull out there is no Yoda try. it should be on church day. of the broken god yeah which is gonna be fun whatever that is because i, I haven't because there's an oh one proposal for that one there was an oh one proposal for this one too but it's in, like extremely new so okay. i haven't i didn't even know it's dj cactus's third proposal like okay. he's written three of them and they've been accepted and i'm just <laughs> and actually, you have to get them accepted, but he's written three of them, and they're good. He. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, so once again, this has been the uh, Secure Contained... I'm going to try that again. Uh, once again, <laughs> this has been the Secure Contained Podcast. Today, we talked about um, first groups of interest, and then on top of that, <clears throat> Chaos Insurgency Hub. Um, I am your co-host, David. I'm your co-host, Soren. And we will see you next week for another episode. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye.